This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, it is UMass week, Dave Jones. Big week for James Franklin's program. It's homecoming. It's also the week before the Ohio State game, which is really what really matters, Dave. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get into James, UMass. Let's get into some of the things that went on at Tuesday's new news conference here on the Blue White Breakdown. Kind of a hijacking moment where, uh, you know, James was asked about 15 questions, but everyone wants to focus on one. And really, it was it was a question from Corey Geiger, who's covered Penn State for a while, just asking him, look. The reason he's asking it is that they just really haven't consistently had a deep uh, a deep passing game this year. Just 12 explosive plays of 20 or more yards, and not all of them are passes. Other than that 72-yard catch and run DeAndre Lambert-Smith had against West Virginia, there really haven't too, been too many deep shots. So, Dave, Corey asked James, essentially, hey, why not just go into a game and just say, like, we're going to show the defense you can throw deep, regardless of whether the guy's covered or not. Do you ever think about that? And James, James wasn't having it, uh, and he went to great lengths to tell Corey he wasn't having it. Why do you think they haven't taken more deep shots? Let's just start with that, because that's a fact. I mean, they have just not taken many, even targets, even tries deep. I think against Iowa, they didn't take one single shot deep. What, James, James, I mean, part, I think part of this is true for sure. They, I think defenses know that other than Lambert Smith, no one, no one on the Penn State team is is really a threat to run by, to run by a corner. And if they just play off a little bit, I mean, the the plays are rarely open down the field. Do you know who this? Do you know who has the second longest completion? Or the third? It's like Liam Clifford has a thirty three yard catch. It's just, it's just not there. I don't know that the return of Harrison Wallace is going to cure it, but I think it will help the passing game. But uh, they are determined not to force the ball down the field. They did try a deep ball against Northwestern that almost got our photographer hurt. He did get hurt. That was a pretty nice throw by uh, by Aller, but they do not take a lot of deep shots, or at least they have not this year. This is what I think. A bunch of things about the question and this. I think it's a sore spot for Franklin. I don't think he wants to deal with it. I think, Corey, I have asked many questions that were a little wordy and verbose and not particularly worded well, where – Paterno or Franklin. So, you know, what do you what do you mean about that? I don't understand what you're saying. I say it again and be very careful about how I word it. And then they have to answer the question or they just don't. In this case, I don't think I think Franklin knows full well that they're not doing much down the field and he doesn't want to say why. And it's for all the reasons you just addressed. Plus, who on that receiving core is going to high point a 50-50 ball like Chris Godwin used to. And, and Corey even mentioned Chris Godwin. Yeah, he did. Who's going, to, who's going to do that on this? It's Malik McClain and nobody else. The best guy is, is actually Wallace. He played basketball, and he, he had been doing that. I saw him do it in the blue-white game. Defenders say he, he, he does that in practice. He would be the guy, and he just has not been available. And he hasn't been available, and they seem to have given up on Malik McLean. Is is that the way you're reading yeah, it? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's still playing, but James always – it's the kiss of death when James mentions a receiver's contributions on punt coverage. 
That's a pretty good story. <laughs> he does that with Malik Mega. He's doing it now with McLean, and it's not, it's not a great sign for his offensive future, well, I would say. he's dropped the ball. He hasn't caught the ball. That's correct. And that is that he had that nice start to the year against West Virginia, and you just can't do – if you do it too many times, there's other guys that they're going to take a look at. The problem is he's 6'4 and 210. He looks like Jawan Johnson out there, who also – Sometimes didn't catch the ball. There was still just, playing in the NFL as a tight end. Yeah, I know, and there's Justin Shorter. There's there's other guys like Malik McLean who just didn't develop here, went other places. I think there's two things here. He knows that they're not doing well down the field. They're choosing not to even take those shots. And B, he didn't want to deal with it. He's a little chippy. He's a little chippy. He's getting a little antsy before the Ohio State game. Would you agree? I'm sure that he's more than a little wound up about the team that he's one and eight against. He could have handled that better, but all in all, is it worth all this? All of it? It, it as you said before we got on, it's the internet world, and yeah. it's being blown up beyond fallout and the assumptions and the personal attacks. It's content, and the- yeah, content and comments. I mean, it's just an idiot world, and who? <laughs> it just doesn't warrant all this. But I thought it was interesting in that Franklin reacted that way because to me it showed me he's a little bit on edge. He knows his, what do you want to call it? I mean, his judgment days are coming, and it's Ohio State and Michigan, and it's it's coming up. It's coming down to cases because if he doesn't win one of those with this team, it's it's it, the, the world's going to come down on him. He's not going to get fired or anything, but it's just going to be a miserable, a miserable world for him. Yeah. And any more deep balls, Dave, right? With, with the speed uh, and the athleticism at corner and at safety. If you see a, if you see a wide receiver like Keandre Lambert Smith in the Rose Bowl, who was about 10 yards past the Utah. Yeah, it's a busted coverage. It, it's not. Well, or they bought they bit on the pump fake. Yeah, they bit on Clifford's pump fake. If you that's the only really way you're going to see a guy wide open. More often than not, the receiver's going to have to make a play on the ball with a with a corner or a safety pretty close to him in the vicinity. So, it might not be a 50-50, hey, we're just going to throw it up, but at the at the end of the day, it, it, it's really on the the receiver to make a play yeah. because the corner's going to be close. I think Corey was talking about third and long uh where it's as good a punt as a punt even if it's picked off. Why not try it against a team like Northwestern, a team like Delaware, and a team like Massachusetts coming up? They've had a lot of these teams where you could could at least get these receivers practice on these balls because it's not like Drew Aller can't throw them. He can throw them. Yeah, he can throw them. So I thought it was a good point that maybe Corey didn't didn't enunciate. He didn't describe exactly what he was saying. And you know the the problem with Franklin or all coaches is. If you don't say something exactly the way you need to for them to answer it, they're going to try to deflect it. And that was a perfect opportunity for him to say, what are you talking about? I, I, you're speaking Japanese. I don't know what you're talking about. He knew what he was talking about. He just chose not to answer it. So that is that. Furthermore, if you have a receiving core that can go up and get these balls, and you remember the one they had in 2016, they had a whole squadron of guys who could go up and get those balls. And a tight end. And a tight yeah, end. Yeah, and a tight end. Joe, Joe Moorhead was doing that all the time, was, was he not? Say, I, I think James's memory is a little foggy. <laughs> uh, on, on, there, I do remember 
uh, whether it was Godwin or whether it was Gasicki, like I just remember Trace, Trace trusted those guys. He trusted them either to make the catch or to knock it down. You know, and he, he, he knew though that he could change the tenor of the game or change the complexion of a game with one of those plays. And they, I feel like they did do that. I remember Joe Moorhead got testy because it was suggested that was really all his offense was. And that wasn't true either. Um, but there were times when Trace, I think, said, you know what? I like my chances with with Mike Kosicki against the safety down the field. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him try and make a play. Or Godwin. I mean, yeah, uh, or Godwin. in the even, Rose Bowl. Even Deshaun Hamilton would fight for a ball. Yeah. And Bill O'Brien and Matt McGloin did that with Allen Robinson. They, they either threw him slip screens or they threw it down the field to him. They did it for a reason, to stretch stretch the defense vertically, even if it doesn't work. Anyway, enough of that stuff. Then we've also got the issue here with, I think a lot of fans, how many fans are going to dump their tickets for this thing? Did you look at the weather? They, oh, I did see. Yeah, it's gonna. It's like 100% chance of rain. Right? Yeah, it's going to be an all-day cold rain. Yes. 51 at, at kick, dropping into the 40s. Dropping into the 40s, who's going to want to sit through this? They would if it was somebody competitive, but Massachusetts, no, no. Why? Why would you subject yourself to this? The drive, the parking, the sitting there, and that to watch this. When and, and what we're getting at is, what's it going to take for these games to be eliminated? And the only way it's going to be eliminated because Franklin answered that question also in the press conference. He's he basically say says, well, everyone's doing it. You know, Michigan canceled their game with UCLA to to play some other uh, G five team. And that was what he was saying. He wasn't saying that that's wrong. He's saying, I'm emulating it. I want to I do that because that's what it takes right now to make the four-team playoff. It's hard to argue with that, but fans don't want to see this. So what's it going to take to eliminate this game, these games? One thing. And I believe UMass is getting, what, a million six? That's what Johnny said. Yeah, 1.6 million. Johnny McGonigal. These are the schools that have the money, Penn State's and Michigan's and Ohio State's, to buy off any competition they they happen to schedule. These are also games that the SEC has been scheduling for decades, right before big games they have in Middle Tennessee State and take a rest. This is like a buy for Penn State, and this is what they want before Ohio State. The only thing that's going to prevent this is an agreement, and it may be where we're headed. I mean, it's like we're, we're going to emulate the NFL. Do you agree with that in the in the future? I think TV has already, Fox and Disney have already pointed this toward an NFL model with, Pence, with, with the Big Ten taking USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. We're going to have a continental conference. In fact, I think that's what they ought to call it. I would have taken Utah and Colorado and connect the entire nation almost contiguous and call it the continental conference. <laughs> and, and then the SEC will do the same thing. Maybe they'll take Arizona state or Arizona out of the big 12 or whatever's you left. You want a conference so big that there are no non-conference games. Is that what you're saying? And, yes. Yes. And, and not only that, an agreement between the two halves, the only way it's going to happen is if whatever this becomes a 36 team super league with a Northern and a Southern, which is essentially the NFL. It's just the AFC and the NFC, and it's not geographic, but it's, it's two giant conferences. An agreement between them, just like the AFL-NFL merger in 1968 that ended up with the, the leagues being merged in 70. 
to, to play each other in college football and nothing else. You have so many teams that you don't have to do this. It would re- require agreement because if these coaches are allowed to schedule however they want, they will. They will. And that's, the, that's what's needed to get out of this because it's what a lot of fans ask me. Dave, are you saying then there's no chance UMass wins this game Saturday at Beaver Stadium? There's always a chance. <laughs> Just kidding. There's always a chance. But, but I watched, uh, for some reason, I watched Toledo and UMass. I, did, I watched a little of it, too. I, it was actually pretty entertaining. Did It looked like the Central Penn Piranha, didn't it? You know? <laughs> In fact, this is this is what it's like. It's like if the, if the Steelers or the Eagles took a week off and played the Central Penn Piranha. I, I have a pretty good idea, but Dave, uh, like five years ago, Don Brown was revered as the defensive genius. Ohio State took him apart, I think, in back-to-back games, and now it's like, hey, how, how about the UMass job? Does that interest you at all? Do you want to just uh, maybe not coordinate a major college defense ever again? Let me see. When he was the, the D.C. at Michigan, I'm yep. trying to remember, I think he made a million one, something like that. Yeah, 2015. Harbaugh hired him and brought him in for his first year. Yeah, and he was he was seen as the man. Remember, in 2016, that defense was feared supposedly, and then they lost at Iowa, and everything came apart. He was probably looked at as 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 the preeminent DC in college football for a little time there. I, I think he was making about a million. That's that's when DCs began being paid a, a seven figures once in a while. So I haven't looked, but I would guess at a G5 that's independent, he's got to be making 700000 and he's got security for a while. So it's better than working for Jim Harbaugh all the time. I mean, that's I, I happen to know a little bit about what it's like. The good news is you get to work with great athletes. The bad news is guess who's looking over your shoulder and making <laughs> every hour. And yeah, you know, at least you get to buy your own groceries, but they're there. You've got you've got to go to Aldi instead of. Uh, <laughs> Poor Aldi! I didn't know what Aldi was until about a year ago, and somebody explained. To me. There's actually a couple. That's because that's because you're from the, the elite media class. That's why you don't have to go to Aldi. I do all my shopping at Giant. That's and right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the superstores, Trader Joe's, and all those boutique places that charge <laughs> three dollars for an artichoke. I, I know fans don't want to see these; they don't want to see Delaware, and they're paying money for it. So that's that is the answer. And if they get together in an agreement, maybe we'll get to a point where it's only league games, but you play across your conference with with three. And then the other nine are within your own conference. And that would be great. It would be like the NFL. I mean, Fox and Disney are trying to turn this into the NFL. That's the next step. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Dave, do you think, though, a game like this before the Ohio State game would be slightly more tolerable if the fan base thought, it would lead to a win over Ohio State and Michigan. Well, how is it? This doesn't help. It doesn't help. No, but I'm saying though, they're they they're gonna be they're they're not in they're gonna be in a the best situation possible, right? To beat them because they're coming off a bye, they're playing this team, the starters should be out of the game 20 minutes into the game, fresh legs, all that stuff. Don't have to show anything. I'm just saying 
is it worth a 50 point win if it would mean to if it would mean beating either Ohio State or Michigan once in a while while Ohio State is taking a trip to Purdue or yeah. a competitor. Also, I don't know that that's exactly I I mean I think they're going to win the game but based on what I saw they have a way of falling into holes and they have to get out of them. No, that's a that's a losable game for Ohio State. Yeah, well, I I'm, think a, I'm agreeing with you. A little bit trickier than people realize. That's a, that's a legitimate that's a legitimate trip, a le- legitimate game in all ways. And Ryan Walters knows how to play defense, and that's going to be a low scoring game. It is. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure Penn State fans would, but should this be required? <laughs> and and coaches will never stop doing it. Unless they can say, well, if they can't say, well, these coaches are doing it. Why can't that's that's what James always says. That's what Franklin always says when you face him with these. Why won't he just name the schools? Why won't he just name the schools? Why does he always have to go the previous institution I was at or another a certain school in our conference is already doing? Can you just name the schools? Because there's plausible deniability. He's not going to do that. He's I don't know if it really is, but sure, it's either Michigan or Ohio State. But yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's 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 a little passive aggressive behavior, it's and he likes that. he likes that too. He enjoys that. So you you did watch the Toledo game? I did. I was so I was I was shocker. I was in a bar, <laughs> uh, but it had it had like about ten games on at once, and for so whatever reason they had the Toledo UMass game on, and they also had Texas Oklahoma, and then Ohio State Maryland. It's, they were right in front of me, and you said bartender. Could you put the UMass game on this big TV right here? Can you turn the volume down <laughs> on OU Texas? I want to hear the play-by-play guy of the UMass game, please. Oh, how about so you didn't hear him, huh? No. Oh, you can't even imagine. I mean, I don't know where they got him, but he's the guy that's getting really excited all the time. You know, one of those guys, you know. <laughs> one in six UMass, man. They won their first game. And uh, you know, I, I James, so James did say. Probably the most explosive offense we're, we have seen this year, and he might not be lying. Uh, I mean, what, I mean, they did play Iowa, they did play Delaware, they did play Northwestern, <laughs> they, they did play Illinois, so it was kind of true. Yeah, they got a. I guess this is a Thai name. He, he looks like he's half black and half Thai. Uh, Tyson Tyson Fomacon from Georgia Tech. He throws a nice little pass. Yeah, he he, he can fling it upfield. Uh, but, you know, the rest of the team, and they've got a back named K. Ron Adams, who's decent. Uh, but the rest of the team looks like what it is, which is a G5 independent. They just they look like a Division II team. They're just not big at all. Um, the, the, no, it's not going to be any kind of game, even in cold rain. I think Franklin is already in Ohio State mode. This is the sort of thing you remember Paterno and uh, did O'Brien do this before big games? I can't remember. He didn't really have any big games against Ohio State and Michigan. They were always at such a talent disadvantage because of the situation that it, it was just just to keep the games close. He did one year against Ohio State at home in the white. It was a it was a night game, but then remember that sixty three fourteen game out there where they kind of ran it up on him and he got mad and called timeout just so he could come on the field and stare at Urban Meyer. Like it was, it was, uh, I would have loved, wouldn't you have loved to see that matchup? <laughs> OB against Meyer. Talk about a one punch knockout. That would have been over. Speaking of OB real quick, he better get his act together soon in new England. Cause it is ugly. 
It is ugly, man. It just occurred to me. I, I haven't, you know, you know, I don't watch the NFL like you do. So it's it's really bad there, huh? Yeah, and he's kind of made a career of, you know, everyone, oh, yeah, he did come from Alabama, but he worked wonders at Penn State, and he did work wonders with the Houston Texans, you know, getting the most out of an offense where they got to the playoffs, I think, a couple of years in a row. But this is where, you know, he went to a Super Bowl with Belichick before he came to Penn State. And, I mean, this offense is just awful, and I don't know how it's going to get any better at all. So I don't – it's it's kind of getting grim uh, up there, and it looks like they could be in for maybe a three- or a four-win season, and that's just – It's not the standard, Dave. Three points in the last two games. I saw that. Yeah, 38-3, and then they got shut out at home by the Saints. So, yeah. Yeah, it occurred to me, oh, wow, OB's the OC there. I forgot. Uh, yeah, you know somebody yeah. sent me a record of Belichick without Tom Brady, which, yeah, it's a losing record. And wasn't Chuck Knoll the same thing without Terry Bradshaw? Essentially, I mean, I knew there were a few years there early where Bradshaw was no better than the other. It Terry. wasn't so much. I mean, Bradshaw, yes, but it was. He also had the greatest, one of the greatest defenses, and also, I mean, he it was a lot of guys, but he he was the quarterback and. Bradshaw was first third of his career was just a raw. He was making dumb decisions, but when he got going, all that talent came to the front, and he was just unstoppable in big games. It's kind of the same thing: a, a defensive coach uh, uh, with a great quarterback who turned into a great quarterback. And I mean, the Patriots have had pretty damn good defenses too. It's it really is all about the talent, man. I mean, to me, the great coaches have figured out how to do something with very little. Not only that, but Brady had so many great offensive lines in front of him that just kept him pristine. And coaches get credit for that. Well, they should get credit for building it, but not for the talent on the field. So you can see what happens when even supposedly the greatest coach of all time doesn't have the talent he needs on the field. They never know when to go away, Dave. They never know when to go away either. He's been in the league. He's been coaching for 40 years, and it's he's chasing history to try and become the all-time winningest coach, and I think it's going to end up – he's going to be remembered for a lot of stuff at the end that isn't good. Nah, they won't, they don't, they'll never remember. They don't remember Chuck Knoll at the end either. I remember Tom Landry. I'll tell you that. But people don't. You do because you that because of that cap you're wearing. But – People don't. They always honor him. See, this is a lot of these guys. When they didn't have the, re- the requisite talent, they weren't any better than anybody else. I always have enjoyed coaches who put together, like Micah Shrewsbury with that Penn State team last year. That was, that was radical stuff, what he did. And he got them in the NCAA tournament with, what? <laughs> this team? By, by figuring out a system whereby he could use the pieces he had. It's like a great cook being given four weird ingredients and being, being able to do that. Those are the coaches I think don't get enough credit. Uh, there are certain coaches who are CEOs and put the whole system together, and then it kind of runs on its own. There's something to be said for that, too. Okay, Dave Jones, before we get to our Penn State UMass picks, and I do believe you're going to pick UMass outright, um, <laughs> I have one, just one question. What happens in this game? What's going to happen in this game if Drew Aller does throw a deep contested pass to Wallace or, or, or Lambert Smith, and then he then Franklin gets asked about it after the game? I'll tell you what he's going to say. He said, 
we do what we always do, which is give us give us the best chance to win and assess the defense on each play. And on that defense, that pass was there. I, he's going to say, I know a lot of you guys are going to talk about what happened on Tuesday, but there was a couple options built into that play. And Drew felt the best about that one. But we do not repeat ever, ever force the ball down the field. That's what he's going to say. Yeah, okay. Devo, what are you, your thoughts on this game other than bad weather and a blowout? What score do you got? I'll say 42 to nothing because that's the spread, right? 42? It is the spread. That means technically you're going to push on it. That's right. Okay. I, want, I want to push on the entire game. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I want, I'd like to push on most of this season. At least it's, least, at least it's not a 7.30 kick. It could be worse. That's worried. right. It could have been, they could have put that on. You're like, remember the Big Ten Network would have those games at like 5.30? Which just is you're just in limbo. If you Dude, have I'm old enough to remember. I've been on this beat long enough to remember 9:30 kicks. BYU. Yes, on ESPN. Yeah, when they were just trying everything. Hey, what about one in the morning? That slot's <laughs> open. Is George Grand available? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. You have you have 42 nothing. I I I just sent my pick in. I got it 48 seven. So you say 42. I say forty-one. So we are we are in sync for this one, and I know I know you're loving life right now. And we'll gas up for that trip yeah. to Columbus, Ohio. Right. That's right. All right, guys. We will see you. Uh, well, hopefully we'll do a video after the game, but we'll, we'll see you uh, after Penn State and UMass conclude. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>